Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Jason. Welcome to Skipped On Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today we're going to be looking at the song Nothing Really Matters by Madonna from her 1998 album Ray of Light. There's so many obvious choices that we're going to have to do episodes on, and Madonna, to me, seems like one of those really inevitable, clearly, we have to do a Madonna episode. Yeah, the whole premise of our podcast is essentially major artists that have songs that people aren't listening to, you know, as much as maybe they should or as much as we think they would. And how can we do a podcast about that without talking about literally one of the biggest female recording artists of all time? I mean, that's just... Kind of something that we have to do. That fits the, yeah, that fits the <laughs> definition perfectly. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to get bigger than Madonna, film star, movie star, fashion, fashion icon. icon. Like, yeah. any, like everything yeah. you can think of, it's yeah. like Madonna. I, yeah, I feel like she's kind of like the, the female Elvis. Like, I mean, I feel like when Madonna dies, it will be, it will be like, you know, a day, a, 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 an international an day international, of Yeah, it'll be like kind of on the level of what Michael Jackson was and, and, and similarly to, like I said, Elvis, where it was just like the world will stop for a moment because she's just so huge. And, and that's going to make it difficult for us to kind of do this, this episode because there's just so much to talk about. And this album was so amazing and so uh, iconic for her as far as her like you know her her long career as being like this pop star and everything so so this is going to be tough for us but we're going to try and make it work within the allotted time that a podcast can last when i was very young nothing really mattered to me but making myself happy i was the only As we mentioned, Madonna has such a long and storied career and has done so much. It's going to be very hard to summarize her her life and uh, art, artistic output in uh, the small amount of time that we have to talk about it. Uh, but we're going to do our best to, to hit the, the important notes that relate to the song that we're covering today, which is Nothing Really Matters from the Ray of Light album. Madonna was born Madonna Louise Ciccone in 1958 in Michigan. At the age of five, her mother actually died of breast cancer, which was devastating to her at the time. She said she didn't really quite grasp it when it happened, but over the years, she got more and more upset about you know, her mother dying at such an early age. Her father eventually remarried, which also caused a lot of strife, not only for Madonna, but for the rest of the family. Uh, and it also caused Madonna to end up being a bit of a rebel against her father and her parents in general. The family is very Catholic, with nearly all of Madonna's schooling taking place at Catholic institutions. 
but even though she's going to all these Catholic schools and she's rebelling against her parents, she actually does really well in school, generally being a straight A student from the time she starts school until the time she stops going. Her father really wanted her to take classical piano lessons, which she did for a bit, but eventually she decided she was much more into dance and wanted to do ballet instead. So she worked at ballet and uh, became quite an accomplished dancer and even got a dance scholarship to the University of Michigan. But she ended up dropping out of the University of Michigan to move to New York to start her own dancing and music career. She actually showed up to New York with reportedly $35 in her pocket and that's it. It was a big moment for her to decide to leave Michigan, her hometown, her family, and the, you know, the school scholarship that she had that was you know pretty much going to assure that she was going to be successful at college. To throw all that away and to move to New York, that was definitely a very courageous and, and you know, to be frank, risky move. Her New York life was not glamorous. She ended up working at a Dunkin' Donuts for a while and playing in bands and doing backup singing and dancing for other artists and stuff like that. Eventually, she starts her own band called The Breakfast Club and then later another band that's called Emmy. But eventually she decides she doesn't want to be in a band. She wants to do her own solo thing. And around this time, she starts making demos about her, you know, for her own solo stuff. And that catches the attention of the owner of Sire Records, who eventually signs her to a singles deal. In 1982 and 1983, Madonna releases two singles, the first called Everybody and the second called Burning Up. Those singles do really well with the dance crowd, but it's not until her eponymous first album lands that she achieves some more mainstream success with the hit single Borderline, which chances are you've probably heard sometime in your life. That first album becomes a huge hit based on Borderline and other singles like Lucky Star and Holiday, which you've probably also heard. However, Madonna herself was already becoming an icon from her unique fashion choices and her overall rebellious attitude. In 1984, Madonna's second record lands, which is titled Like a Virgin. The album does even better than the first based on the hit singles such as the title track, which probably everybody has heard, Into the Groove, and of course, another song that everyone knows, Material Girl. At this point, after only two records, Madonna is already one of the most successful female solo artists of all time. She's also becoming very controversial with her music videos and her album art and lyrics and all that, all featuring sexual references and sometimes mixing those sexual references with religious imagery. This causes media uproar and several different attempts to have her music banned from radio and television. Of course, all this does is fuel Madonna's career even more because she becomes this like kind of, uh, you know, anti-establishment icon. So risque. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. <laughs> In 1986, Madonna's third album lands, which is called True Blue. This ends up being her best-selling album of all time and is to date the best-selling female solo album of all time. The biggest hits from this record are Live to Tell, True Blue, 
And of course, Papa Don't Preach. After the success of True Blue, Madonna releases a single called Like a Prayer, which most of you have probably heard before. Uh, but you might not know is that Madonna actually signed an endorsement deal with the soft drink maker Pepsi. She ended up debuting the video for Like a Prayer within a Pepsi commercial. Now, <laughs> those of you who have seen the Like a Prayer video might be surprised by this as the video features burning crosses, uh, a black saint, uh, interracial sex and stigmata wounds. <laughs> Is it a saint? I thought I always thought it was Black Jesus. No, it's 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 like so. The story was was that it was supposed to be like a choir. Like he was supposed to just be a member of the choir, oh, and she okay. was supposed to okay. fall in love with him. So it was supposed to be. It started out as like this like interracial thing, and she wanted to actually have Ku Klux Klan members in the video. Yikes! But then she, yeah, <laughs> yikes for sure. Uh, but then it, she decided not to do that and they decided to make him more of a saint. Oh, okay. And, uh, but okay. the, you know, I mean, there aren't too many black saints for those of you not falling <laughs> along. <laughs> so, so that was pretty salacious at the time. I mean, just at that time, you know, this is the, the eighties. So, I mean, like, you know, just, just interracial sex on, in a music video, like that alone is, is, you know, a little risque. Never mind. This is for Pepsi. <laughs> might, might we remind you? This is well, supposed to. Well, spoiler alert. After the video released, Pepsi dropped the sponsorship with Madonna. Like I, I, I you know. But anyway, like a prayer. It's it's actually a pretty amazing video, and, and even now it's still pretty pretty controversial. Yeah. Uh, you should definitely check it out. But you should also listen to like a prayer because chances are you've heard this one before too. At this point, Madonna has become a household name, probably one of the most famous women to have ever lived. She follows Like a Prayer with a book, which is simply entitled Sex, which features photos that most people would say is just straight up porn. Like it's artsy, it's black and white, and there's some vague stuff, but it's mostly porn. It's also somewhat in this time too that someone finds like old nude photos of her that are being republished. So there's also, you know, the, this idea of kind of reclaiming her sexual identity because um, something I think she had just done for, you know, money when she had first moved to New York. Um, you know, doing some kind of nude modeling that had resurfaced and I think, you know, were published in Playboy or something. Um, so there's also kind of that driving a little bit, I think, of the idea of, of doing this book. In 1992, she releases an album called Erotica, which obviously features highly sexual lyrics and imagery to promote the latest projects, including the book and Erotica. She appears on The Late Show with David Letterman, where she uses profanity liberally and actually starts off the uh, the segment by giving Letterman a pair of her panties, asking him to smell them. Even Madonna fans thought she was going too far and becoming overly controversial just for the sake of it. And we're going to play a quick clip here. This is, this is her dropping the F-bomb 
on David Letterman Live. This was actually censored, but some ingenious person on YouTube found an uncensored clip and uploaded it. So here we go. Madonna dropping the F-bomb live I, on David I Letterman. <laughs> a lot of people would cave into the pressure and say, oh, all right, they'd go out and kiss him and get it over with. Yeah, well, I've never succumbed to peer pressure. Uh, good for you. That's what we love about you, Madonna. Yes. <laughs> what Incidentally, you? you are a sick fuck. <laughs> Like I said, even Madonna's fans were getting really upset with her at this point in time, feeling like she was just going too far and, you know, it stopped being about the music and it stopped being about her her icon as, you know, as this woman and feminine, you know, feminist icon, this like powerful woman, like making her own career. It stopped being about that and just started being out like what crazy shit did Madonna do today? So she, I don't know if it was just her or maybe her label or maybe a combination, but they decide very deliberately to start trying to make Madonna's image a little less abrasive and focus a little bit more on the music. So uh, at this point, she's 36 years old and she decides she's going to do all that revamping and she releases the track I'll Remember on the soundtrack to the film With Honors, which was a deliberate attempt to prove that she can create more subdued, reflective music. Around the same time, she goes into the studio to record a new album. She works with Babyface, pretty famous producer, musician. And she takes this kind of adult contemporary turn. Probably a song you've heard off of this is Secret. And also a lot more ballads like, um, you know, the Heartbreak song, Take a Bow. Take a So it's also worth noting throughout all this in the 80s through the 90s, Madonna's also trying to develop um, a film career. And in that, too, there's also this dichotomy between these sexy, risque characters and also more wholesome characters, uh, things like the film A League of Their Own. So as Madonna's going through yet another transformative stage of her career, she takes a serious dramatic role in a musical film that also that kind of combines these two career paths that she's on. And that's 1996's Evita, where she plays Eva Perone. In that film, she deeply studied Eva's life, the history of Argentina, and also importantly took vocal lessons, which is just really interesting to think think yeah, about like this, this. She, she's had this singing career for a real long time now and she's like this huge mega pop star and she's this is her first time being like maybe i should take some lessons and figure out how to do this correctly but yeah just to show her you know commitment to this role um which you know she gets a lot of uh, critical praise um you know there's obviously you know songs to to go along with this i'm sure somewhere along the way you've heard don't cry for me argentina and this really kind of re and not only reinvigorates her career, 
but is also important for Madonna personally because it gives her this whole bout of confidence that though she's obviously never been shy or you know she's always been like this brave person ready to do anything it made her a little bit more introspective about kind of who she was and where she was with her career and the kind of things that she wanted in life also around this time madonna has her first child and starts to pursue different religions most notably buddhism hinduism as well as the esoteric method of kabbalah this is, you know, not that notable for most people, but considering that she was raised super Catholic and uses a lot of Catholic imagery in her music and, and you know, her style and all that stuff, uh, the fact that she was kind of switching and going to something different was was pretty notable for her. She decides that she wants to make a record that proves that she is a true artist and that brings in all the themes of her personal life at the time, her child, her switch to religion and her, her like, like you said a, a few minutes ago about, about the idea of her like kind of reclaiming her artistic standpoint. And so she works with techno producer William Orbit to create Ray of Light, which is, of course, the album that our song today, Nothing Really Matters, appears on. Ray of Light ends up becoming one of the biggest hits ever for Madonna most importantly, critically and commercially. It doesn't do as well as True Blue, and it doesn't do as well as some of her earlier records with a lot of the hits on them. But at the same time, it does really, really well commercially and also critically. Up until this point, you know, Madonna's selling a lot of records and she's super famous, but critics are still basically saying like, oh, she's a pop star. Like she makes pop music. They release a record, you know, she releases a record and they review it and they're like, this is good. Like if you like yeah, it's pop well, music, it's well produced. It's catchy. Yeah. You know, like- if you like this, then you'll, you'll like it. It's, it's, it's all good. But with Ray of Light, it was completely different. This was the first time that Madonna could open up, you know, uh, a Rolling Stone magazine or, or whatever, even like a New York Times newspaper and hear music critics, professional music critics who are, you know, into the artistic integrity of music and saying like, this is an actually great record that you should absolutely listen to. So this was a huge thing for Madonna. She achieved what she set out to achieve from the beginning, you know, when she started going through this, this alteration of her image and, and what she wanted to do with her life. After the success of Ray of Light, she released the 2000 album simply titled Music, which also received critical acclaim, but didn't sell as well or get as much notoriety as Ray of Light. Since music, she's released several other albums, uh, each of which sees her working with hot record producers and songwriters and guest stars of the time uh, to to keep her, her music relevant and her image relevant. For example, her 2008 album Hard Candy was produced by the Neptunes, who we've talked about before in our Shakira episode, uh, and also featured collaborations with guest stars like Justin Timberlake, Timbaland, and Kanye West. However, Nothing Madonna has done is topped Ray of Light from both a critical and commercial standpoint since then. So let's go back to 1998 and talk about Ray of Light and the terrific, underappreciated song, Nothing Really Matters. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast.
Ray of Light. This was Madonna's seventh studio album, and she's also trying to do something different than she's done before. But based on the success of 1994's Bedtime Stories, she brings in producer Babyface once again to start working on this new album of songs. But pretty quickly, she finds out that things aren't working out, not because they don't get along or anything, but she was really striving to go in a different direction. And the songs that they were working on were things that Madonna felt like, I've I've done this before, I've been here before, and I really want to do something that's different since obviously so much in her life has changed. So she starts looking at more electronic music producers. People have done uh, dance and and other things that other other genres that she hasn't really touched on before. We mentioned, you know, Madonna's obviously done club songs and and dance type songs before, but it's important to remember this is 1998 and electronic music at this time is far more of a niche genre of music than it, it is today. Right, not 1998. We're only a few years off from from Kurt Cobain's suicide. I mean, I, you know, I don't I don't have a list of like the top charting albums in 1998, but it's probably a lot of more you know straight up rock stuff, the post grunge movement. All that is happening at this point in time. Techno and dance music, which we sort of discuss the history of in our Dead Mouse episode, at this point in time is is very underground. This is when the term rave starts to come about, where they're renting out like huge abandoned warehouses and throwing these secret underground parties where they're playing this loud techno music with uh, the the drug ecstasy coming up, which you know later becomes MDMA, which is super popular with the rave culture now. All that is happening in the, in the underground. So for Madonna to say to her record producer and to her studio or to her label and everything and be like, I want to get one of these techno artists, that's like a huge move because basically Babyface at this point in time is huge. I mean, this guy is written. We could do a whole podcast series about all yeah, the songs just Babyface hit, has written. Hit, hit. I mean, it's just hit after hit after hit, and they're all very similar. They all have a very like uh, you know slow R and B groove, yeah, and a very commercial, very popular at the time. And so for Madonna to come in and be like, "I want to find some underground rave DJ," that might sound today like, "Oh, that makes sense," but then it was like, "What? What do you? What do you think you're doing?" Like nobody knows who William Warbit is. Nobody knows who these dance people are. But that this. That was what she wanted to do. She was like, no, I've already done this. I want to go in the direction of of not what's happening now, but what's going to come in the future. And that's one of the things that you can you can see with Madonna's work is that she she kind of has she's she's always had her finger on the pulse of like what what's going on with the kids, you know? And uh and with Ray of Light, she was right at she it was at the right time. It was like dance music was just coming up. And by the time Ray of Light landed, it was getting bigger and bigger with with bands like The Prodigy and The Chemical Brothers and Crystal Method and all these stuff having these big Grammy winning dance records. So she was like right there and it was a perfect time. But I'm sure at the time when she brought this up, I'm sure the record you know, the executives were like, mm, this is this is a really bad idea. But you're Madonna, so we'll <laughs> let you go. <laughs> So Ray of Light is an obvious departure for Madonna in, a mul- in multiple ways, as we've already mentioned, but uh, it's also a departure from how she creates records in the first place. 
normally Madonna is very quick. She likes to work fast in the studio. She has a saying, uh, don't gild the lily, which is essentially keep it raw, keep it fast. Let's just put a few takes down and move on. William Orbit is not that guy. William Orbit is a, is a dance producer and dance producers generally only work with computers Dance producers are the kind of people that hunch themselves over electronic equipment and just tweak knobs for hours and hours and hours, searching for that certain sound and that certain vibe. So this was tricky for Madonna. She's got to sort of reevaluate how she makes records because of the situation that she's arranged for herself with having William Orbit. So producing this record, there's very few people in the studio. It's pretty much just Madonna, Orbit, and maybe a couple of engineers. And there's, there's not much organic instrumentation. There's a couple of guitar tracks. There's a couple of live drum tracks and stuff like that, some percussive elements. But most of the sounds you're hearing are William Orbit tweaking knobs on a computer or on a, on a digital interface of some kind. So the album takes a really long time to make, much longer than any album that Madonna's made uh, before or since. So I think that you can hear in the album when you're listening to it, you can hear how layered and deep everything gets. And that's because they... They just spent so much time making it, which, like I said, was was a major departure for her and probably pretty jarring for her as an artist, especially being Madonna, who's probably more used to being directly in control of like what's happening in the studio at all times. And also lyrically, there's a lot of changes where instead of Madonna talking generically about love and breakups and partying and sex and, you know, those those typical pop song themes she's talking a lot more about her life and reflecting on you know her her newfound religion uh reflecting on being a parent and looking back at how she's led her life up to this point so a lot of these lyrics are madonna speaking as madonna um, not madonna it, it, pop star that, but madonna normal everyday person yeah here here i am as a person trying to figure out, you know, where I want my life to go and where I've been. So a lot of these lyrics are pretty personal lyrics, including, you know, the song that we're talking about today, Nothing Really Matters. Nothing Really Matters, the song that we're, we're covering today, is is a great song on a great album. And it was actually a single. It's pretty low on the iTunes charts, and uh, it's never appeared on any Greatest Hits collection that she's ever released, even though it was a single. But uh, it was the last single released from this record. There were five singles, uh, the, the first being Frozen, and then Ray of Light, and then Drowned World slash Substitute for Love, The Power of Goodbye, and then finally, Nothing Really Matters. And I, I, it's my opinion that Nothing Really Matters is a very strong song, and it's a very strong Madonna song with a great hook, uh, great sound, great message, good lyrics, all that stuff. It's all good, but I, feel, I think the reason that this, the song didn't do that well and kind of gets skipped on shuffle as far as Madonna's catalog goes is because it was the final single from the record. I feel like at the point that the single was released, they'd already kind of milked this album as much as they could. The album was already a huge seller. It was all over the radio. You couldn't turn on MTV without seeing the Frozen video or the Ray of Light video. You couldn't turn on the radio without hearing those songs. And and by the time the thing really matters came out, I feel like people were like, you know what? Like 
I'm I'm moving on from this record. And it's a shame too, because I feel like this song and then a bunch of other songs on this record are all really, really good. And I feel like people kind of pass them over now that, you know, people that weren't there when this album came out and didn't buy it and didn't listen to it on repeat like like some people did like me <laughs> and and uh so they, they kind of they kind of skip over this one which which is a shame interestingly the only live performance this song got was at the opening to the grammy awards which was in february of 1999 so this ray of light album and the song had already been out a full year before she even performs it live. So I think that's part of the reason why maybe it slipped under the radar because everyone had kind of already heard the Ray of Light album for a year now. So still trying to, you know, push the album by releasing, you know, that this being the last single, maybe that kind of had something to do with it. You know, people had already heard a lot of the other songs and they were like, Oh, I like these more or, you know, I'm ready to listen to, you know, something different or something new. Um, Cause within a year, Madonna's already out with, you know, a, a brand new album. So I think kind of that long gap between the release of the album versus for before the single comes out and then before it gets kind of this live performance and people kind of see it and hear it. Maybe I, I think that might have something to do with why this kind of the song sort of slipped through the cracks. I think it's pretty interesting that this song was released as the fifth single. Like, I mean, obviously Frozen is an amazing, amazing track and the video is amazing. And that to me seems like a, a, a bonafide first single to not only present Madonna's new direction, but also present the production quality and the integrity of Ray of Light as an album as a whole. So Frozen makes perfect sense to me, but I feel like nothing really matters is it's a really poppy song. Like it's got a lot of pop to it. And I think that the song, the, the lyric structure of the song too, for me, kind of encapsulates what, what she's trying to get across for the record. So I think it, I think it was a mistake. I think they should have released this song earlier, you know, maybe after Ray of Light instead of Drowned World Substitute for Love, which to me, I mean, granted, I love that song and I think it's an amazing album opener, but I don't really hear it as a single, but whatever, that's what they decided. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think that between Frozen and Ray of Light, the song kind of falls in the middle of that where it has kind of the, the more delicate side of Frozen, but also has like a driving beat and is fun, like Ray of Light is is to listen to. So yeah, I, I think it's strange the direction that they chose to go in because for me, this would, yeah, the third single, this would kind of seem to make sense for. And then lyrically, you know, I mean, let's just, I mean, First off, before we before we examine the lyrics, the lyrics are not that deep. This is this is pretty. They're pretty rudimentary lyrics. Uh, you know, they don't they don't go too deep below the surface as far as like what we think of when we think of Madonna. But the content, what she's trying to get across, to me, is like the entire mantra of the Ray of Light album together. So it starts off with when I was very young, nothing really mattered to me, but making myself happy, I was the only one. Now that I am grown. Everything's changed. I'll never be the same because of you. The because of you part could be a reference to, uh, you know, a, a relationship or it could be a reference to her kid. Uh, it could be a relationship, you know, it could be because of you at listening to listener, whatever. The point is, is that she's right from the beginning of the track, making it very clear that she is in this reflective stage. She's older. She's more mature. She's looking back at her life and realizing that she's made a lot of mistakes and maybe pushed things a little too far. Like we were referencing with the David Letterman appearance and the, and the sex book and, and all that stuff. I think that this song kind of encapsulates what she was trying to do with 
this album. And like, like I said, to me, that seems like, okay, well then why, why is this single number five? Why isn't it more pushed up to like, kind of be like, this is what the album is, you know? I, I don't know. I, I think it was a poor decision on their part, but at the same time, it doesn't make the song any less, you know, uh, powerful and good. It's just, it's just unfortunate that it gets kind of passed over by people. I think nothing really matters is a great balance between a lot of the sounds on the album and also, you know, pulls together a lot of themes. And I also like this idea throughout the song of looking back as well as looking forward. And I think that is encapsulated pretty well later. Again, you know, these aren't like super, super deep (laughs) lyrics that, you know, it's, it's pretty blunt what she's basically saying. Um, saying, you know, I've lived so selfishly. I was the only one. I realized that nobody wins. Something is ending and something begins. And it kind of comes down to nothing takes the past away like the future. Nothing makes the darkness go like the light. So, I mean, just very straightforward of, again, looking back, but I'm also Madonna and I want to always be looking forward to something new and reinventing myself. So it's just pretty basic statement but one that perfectly encapsulates where she's at right now and i think that is kind of what one of the things that makes this song so great you don't necessarily have to have the most eloquent way of saying something but i don't know when i when i sit down and listen to the song i i believe her i believe she you know honestly feels this way and i think it's just good advice in general as as kind of cliche and and simple as it as it might be well i mean like you know some of the greatest songs that have ever written are pretty cliche and simple like i mean she even says in the song she says love is all we need i mean that's a direct lift from the beatles which have a song yeah all all you need is love all you need is love so it's like i mean you know if the beatles can do it and everyone thinks that they're amazing like why can't madonna do it so i i think that the i think the very fact that she has this song which essentially is a mission statement like if we want to if we want to pretend that this album is like her thesis her her rock pop star status thesis statement, everything that she's done up until this point has all been leading up to this album. You know, I, I think the fact that she, she, she's cognizant enough of that to create a song that is a mission statement like this is, I think that that's, that says a lot. I mean, this, this song is a representation that this Ray of Light album is not just her going to a bunch of song, you know, uh, songwriters and producers and being like, let's put together a bunch of hits and create a record that's going to do really well on the charts. Like this is, this song represents that that is not at all the case where they're very, very deliberately being like, no, we're going to make a cohesive album that has a theme and, and, and lyrical content that reflects that theme and sound that reflects what we're trying to say and works with those themes like this is this is not the work of somebody who's just like let's just throw it out there and hope that it all works this is very very deliberate and i think that what that's what makes this song so good i mean it's good on its own but within the encapsulation of the record it makes it so good as well yeah and i think um in thinking of just the structure of the song like yeah you you have all the stuff there the chorus the hook and everything but there's this one moment when you're listening to the song where there's like this you're expecting the chorus and you get like this kind of weird bridge with this little like piano electronic sounds in the background. And I don't know. I just, I just love it for the theme of, you know, still, still being unexpected. Yeah. I don't don't know. There's just something at that moment in the song where like, I'm expecting chorus to come back around here, her singing, nothing really matters. And instead I, you know, you get this like weird kind of musical interlude. Um, I don't know. That's, that's just one thing that I, I love about the song is um, almost like uh, if anyone's heard the, the the one thing that comes to mind, if, if anyone's listened to 
Bowie's Aladdin Sane album that has all sorts of like wacky piano parts all over it. It just kind of makes me makes me think of that. I've always been a fan of Banana as like a singles artist. There's not a lot of her stuff where I've listened to an album from beginning to end. I mean, I have a few records, um, but Ray of Light is the only one that I think I've ever sat down and listened to beginning to end. Um, I think for all the things we talked about, just thematically, the the sound and just how different it is, um, I enjoy most of Madonna's output, I, I think there's barely been a, a song that I've heard where I've like groaned or been like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I ever want to like hear this again. <laughs> Except for maybe the American Pie cover. Oh that might, yeah, that, that, is... that might that might be up there. But yeah. in terms of her, you know, original work and most of what she does, I've always enjoyed it. It's always been, you know, fun or sweet or sexy, and the fact that there's like so much variety of that. I mean, here's someone who can probably put out like a three disc greatest hits compilation and th- still have to leave off tracks. Well, um, she, she did, there's, there's a two disc collection and, and this, th- like I said, this song is not on yeah, there. Yeah. Like, so it's, yeah. Well, so, you know, I don't even know what other songs aren't on there, but you know, that's, that's a lot of music to not have everything on, you know? And I think that's what kind of makes it the, I don't know if that's the reason why, or just, you know, I've, I've listened to more Madonna as a result of songs that have been on, compilations than ever getting to the point of getting an actual Madonna album and listening to it from beginning to end the immaculate collection, which has kind of like the early stuff, you know, I've, I've had that a while. Um, also something to remember, I really enjoy. And that's kind of like a, a, um, late eighties to like mid nineties collection of Madonna stuff. So every time I've ever heard of Madonna, it's always been like, either on the radio or seeing a music video um, or through some kind of compilation. So it was really interesting to listen to, 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 to buy a, an actual Madonna record <laughs> and, and listen to it from beginning to end. I can't remember when I got this album. I might've been at your suggestion. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember like when it, like what possessed me to do it at some point in time i mean i remember the the ray of light video and the song and being like oh this is a really like cool fun song then the song the power of goodbye is also on this and that's like this really beautiful track um so i don't know when i got into ray of light but it still remains the only like madonna album that i have that i actually will throw on and listen to from beginning to end that isn't some kind of compilation. I'm not not exactly sure why that is. I've never really thought too much about it until we really like sat down to to do this podcast episode. But maybe I should just leave it there as speaking to the power of, you know, this record where even if you're not a huge Madonna fan, there's something really just alluring and hypnotic about the way this record was was made. It's funny that you said like you might have you know, you might've picked this up on my suggestion because I'm probably, I'm like Ray of Light super fan. Like I love this record and I would say it's probably 
I've never actually thought about like making a list of my favorite albums from the nineties, but this, this would definitely be in, in the top 20, maybe even the top 10. I don't know. I'd have to like really sit down and listen to it. Cause a lot of really, really great albums came out in the nineties, but, uh, but it I mean, I love this record so much. I remember the first time I put it on and the song, you know, drowned world starts and it's got this really weird kind of synthy thing. And you know, the first thing I'm thinking, I'm like, did I accidentally put on a Brian Eno record? Like what, what, what the hell is this? This isn't Madonna, you know, where's the, where's the thumping bass and the beats and whatever. And this, you know, this, this beautiful, beautiful song begins. It's so like layered and, and slow burning. Like it takes a while before even like a pop hook comes in of any kind. And, and I remember like listening to it and being like, wow, like this is really good. And then the second song starts, which has got like a guitar track to it. And, and, you know, also got this like kind of like trip hop, massive attack kind of beat to it. And I'm like, what is this? Like, like, this is not Madonna. Like, this is not at all what I was expecting. And, uh, and the word, you know, the word that you used hypnotized, like, that's like a really good word for this. Like I was hypnotized by it. I was like, what, where am I going? Like, what's next? What is possibly, where is she going to go in the next track? Like, I feel like we've already hit like six genres of music in the first two songs. What are we going to do next? You know? And, uh, and then in the middle, there's that song, the, the Shanti Ashtangi, which is like, basically a middle eastern track with like some maybe western beats over it she sings the whole song in different language and just really really interesting stuff going on that that like you said like she's never done before and never done since like it's just this weird nugget of an album in the middle of this gigantic important amazing pop star career and then in the middle of it it I don't know I I guess the best way I could put it is imagine if Pink Floyd only did you know, pop rock music. And then in the middle of that was dark side of the moon. Like, like, I feel like that's what this is kind of like. It's like this weird thing where Madonna suddenly shed her pop star status and just became this like amazing artist, this amazing songwriter, this amazing producer and performer and, and became something that transcended pop stardom to become something completely different and then after this, she goes sort of back and, and becomes, you know, like we were talking about earlier, kind of like more traditional pop star stuff, working with the Neptunes and Justin Timberlake and Kanye and doing all these like big pop star tours and, um, you know, uh, embracing what the kids are doing. And she kind of let go of trying to make any artistic statement and just started to try and be pop star again, which makes sense. You know, uh, you know, you start out as a pop star and then she you know, reclaims her artistic integrity and then starts to try and prove that she can still do the pop stardom thing again. But for me, like you said, like this, this album, I just, I just put it on and I'm just taken away to some other place. And it's just, it's just so great. And, uh, I wish, I wish I had more, like, I wish Madonna could do more like this. I wish that there was something else that I could listen to that would give me the same or similar feelings as this record. But in a way it's, uh, you know, it's actually, you know, maybe that would ruin it. Maybe I—I I don't know. Maybe I would feel less less attached to this if it wasn't the only one. But uh, but yeah, but this record is super important to me, and I, I'm so glad that we got to talk about it. And I love I love every song on it. But but nothing really matters. It's definitely it's a crime that it's not being listened to more, especially when you have so much material by Madonna that's so good. This song should be up there, and it's just it's just not for some reason. But I'm glad that that we're, we're, we're hopefully convincing at least one person out there to listen to the song, listen to this album and, and maybe get enough out of it. Like, like we do. Uh, 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Be sure to visit our webpage at skippedonshuffle.com where we have a blog and links to our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also a YouTube page where we perform the songs that we discuss in these episodes. We are trying our best to keep Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free podcast. So if you are interested in helping to support that, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Any donations that come there could go straight to keeping uh, Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free experience and go straight to paying for the various costs that are associated with running this podcast.